friends, welcome back. Um, our daily Bible study on this Tuesday as we continue through 2 Timothy, moving today into the second chapter. I, I made this comment yesterday, Michael, while you were gone. Good to have you back, but uh, made the comment that I think we see, I, I think we see in the next couple chapters a lot more kind of devotional type stuff. I think there's a, a little more of what we might think of as as poetic or um, there's just I think there's some more jumping off places. That first chapter was largely biographical, and here we get as we move into the second chapter. I just think we get a little bit more of stuff that might be helpful to us. So l- let me jump in, read a few verses, and then we can uh, unpack them. You then, my child, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and what you have heard from me through many witnesses, entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. Share in suffering like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. No one serving in the army gets entangled in everyday affairs. The soldier's aim is to please the enlisting officer. And in the case of an athlete, no one is crowned without competing according to the rules. It is the farmer who does the work who ought to have the first share of the crops. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in all things. So we make a transition here as we move into these verses. Again, Paul uses this uh, father language, my child, uh, he stops a little short of my son, but that's the idea. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This is really, um, I, I think, a really well said. Uh, strong here doesn't necessarily mean what we think, but be able to stand, persevere, uh, be strengthened by, be held up by the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We've said this before, but when Paul wishes something for someone, it is often grace that he offers them, that he that he wants to bestow upon them. And here he calls Timothy to be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus, and he connects that with, and what you have heard from me through many witnesses. So, um, it, it, an appeal to grace as is and teaching you know if if really michael i think if you summarized what paul writes in a lot of letters it would come down to that grace and what i have taught you about the gospel and certainly not surprising to see that show up again here in the second chapter of timothy i think you're right clint to point our attention to that particular word strong in verse 1 there because what you're going to see as we go through is Paul's going to use some really interesting metaphors of people who are all in their own way strong. You, you've got the enlisted soldier, you have the athlete, you have the farmer. All of them are hardy individuals in their own way. And, you know, I think what's fascinating to me, Clint, about this is how easy it is for us to take Scripture and to sort of read it along the lines that make sense to us, uh, because strong in the grace could really go in a, a few different directions, really, right? Yeah, we could talk about it as being confident. Uh, we could talk about it uh, as like the idea of being a, a strong man, you know, sort of a, a, a heady or maybe even an arrogant kind of person would be one way you could take a word like that in English. But, but here, uh, the Greek word actually has the, the sense of being firm in, or the, the antonym of this is to be headstrong. So, you know, the idea, or that's rather in a negative sense. So here, the, the positive is to be rooted and confident, 
to, to be uh, enduring and persistent, the kind of strength that you see in something that weathers and holds on over time, that is exactly what describes a Christian's encounter with grace. I, I mean, I think you could make a compelling argument that Paul's entire understanding of grace that we find flushed out in Romans is built upon the idea that the that it is the bedrock of Christian life, that everything Every fruit that is good in the Christian life finds its root in this kind of uh, foundational trust and and holding on to grace. And, and that is, you know, maybe a kind of thing that we read over quickly in a book like Timothy. You know, you say, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. It sounds like a little bit of a, a header on an email. I, I think it's way more than that to Paul. I think for Paul, this is really the heart of it. And I think the analogies that come after, those, Clint, are going to be to reinforce and to illustrate what Paul means by this idea of strength of grace. I think we would, we'd miss the point if we think that Paul here is referencing some kind of our own personal strength. Uh, for Paul to be strong is to be in grace. This is not a, a patting ourselves on the back. This is a recognition that we stand in the grace of Christ. And then he continues, you know, leader to leader. What you've heard in me through many witnesses, entrust to faithful people who will be able to teach others as well. There's a real leadership um, insight here. Paul is calling Timothy to do exactly what Paul is doing with Timothy, to identify for himself someone to invest in, someone to teach someone to bring into the cause of sharing the gospel. And he is then modeling for Timothy what he hopes Timothy will do with someone else. Choose someone trustworthy and teach them as well so that they will be able in turn to teach others. What has been entrusted to you, there's a wonderful sense of the faith being passed along here, Michael. What you heard from me through many witnesses, entrust to someone faithful, to faithful people, so they will be able also to teach others. You know, there's a a sort of cycle to that. There's a kind of outreach to that that I think is really interesting from a leadership perspective. And I, I think shows Paul's inherent assumption that the gospel is made to be shared, though to be shared thoughtfully, carefully, and faithfully, and he calls Timothy to follow again his example by choosing those who can be trusted and literally investing in them so that they will be able to teach. It's a really, I find that a very interesting verse. Let's not forget either that the chapter and verse is added later, right? So, in the flow of the text, you know, we've jumped into chapter two, but for the reader, this is connected to what, Clint, you dealt with yesterday, the, the talk of those who are uh, really fighting against the grain of the gospel and those who are lauded as being those who have stood by Paul even the, in the midst of his imprisonment. That's immediately followed by this idea of entrusting to faithful people, those who are going to teach, pass on. There's a, a little bit of a sense in that. Uh, that Paul's already affirmed someone who's not ashamed of the chains that have come because of Paul's apostleship. Now he's affirming these witnesses, and now he's going to move on. He's going to describe these uh, people who who are also firm in that grace themselves. I mean, that uh, it's beginning to to really 
I think, flesh out this narrative that we've seen elsewhere in Timothy, uh, that where there are opponents, you know, Paul makes it clear, uh, don't allow them to have the privilege of influence and leadership in the Christian church. But where there are, and I think this is a great way to phrase it, faithful people, uh, many witnesses, where those exist in the life of the Christian community, those are to be invested in, to be supported. Um, it, that does have a generational aspect, like you're saying, Clint. It also has an upbuilding kind of aspect. It, it A community that is blessed with those kinds of voices will naturally be the kind of community that goes deeper into grace, that, that lives in a kind of persistent model uh, that is replicable. I mean, that a, a church that's healthy tends to uh, be able to uh, rely upon the wind of the Spirit to, to remain healthy. I mean, it's it, it has a kind of cyclical benefit to it. And very clearly, Paul's instructing Timothy here to do what he can as leader in the community to encourage that, to foster it, and to advance it. Yeah, then he follows that up with an interesting word, share in suffering like a good soldier of Christ. And and probably the most important is share in suffering, which may seem like strange instruction, but if you've been with us in the past, particularly through, say, Philippians and Romans, you understand that Paul puts a significant importance on our own suffering as a connection to the suffering of Christ. Paul's not a masochist. He doesn't advocate suffering for its own sake. He doesn't say that you should go out there and try to suffer. What he says is that we, in Christ, rejoice because our suffering reminds us of our own weakness. It reminds us of God's strength. It throws us onto the arms of Christ's mercy, and it creates for us an empathy and an understanding that Jesus suffered for us. So Paul is not saying that our suffering is good. He's not saying that suffering is inherently good. What he's saying is that through faith in Christ, our suffering can produce good in us by connecting us to the suffering of Christ. And so it is not something as a leader to be avoided. And this is important. You know, if you're in a leadership position, you may have the means to kind of get away from. And and what Paul is saying to Timothy is that's exactly the wrong t- track for a Christian leader. Share in suffering like a good soldier of Christ. And then he unpacks a couple of these things, soldiers and athletes and farmers. And what he's saying in the, the common theme and all that is that it's work that we have to make an effort to please the one whom we serve, just as a soldier would, just as an athlete competes according to the rules, just as a farmer should be blessed with the first fruits, so it is that a leader must put effort in in trying to bring about the intended result, which is the glory of God. And then I, I love this last verse, Michael. Think over what I say and the Lord will give you understanding. That you, you could read that a couple of different ways, but I think generously, and I think correctly, it shows a, a kind of openness in Paul to say, you know, it's okay. You may not get everything. God is faithful. Paul doesn't... On, there are people who read Paul and, and think that Paul is overconfident. And if you pointed to certain writings, maybe that's true. But I, I see in Paul a willingness and an expectation of continuing the conversation. Timothy, it's okay if this doesn't all make sense. Keep it in prayer. 
keep trying to do the right thing, and eventually it will come about. It will make sense. You will understand. Think over what I say, for the Lord will give you understanding in all things. There's a, there's a wonderful confidence in that that I admire. Yeah, it, uh, it expects that Timothy's going to grow, number one, mm-hmm. that there's room for his Christian discipleship. I think in many ways Paul proves himself, especially in these letters uh, of Timothy that we're in right now, he proves himself to be a teacher who's aware of where his student is and the opportunity of where that student can go. I think there's also, though, a, a sense here in which Paul is working to redefine understanding. This is especially relevant if you're willing to reflect back onto 1 Timothy. Remember all of that language about what the opposing teachers were teaching and what they thought they knew and all those kinds of things. And now you see Paul talking about suffering, talking about the real long arc of leadership, that nothing happens quickly, everything worth doing takes real concerted effort. That should be an expectation of Christian leadership. And now he ends by saying, uh, the Lord will give you understanding in all things. You, you really can't just breeze past the idea that understanding is in a meaningful way connected to the work it takes to get there. And anyone who's been Christian for some time, Clint, I think can affirm that through experience, that some of the most fruitful, deep, abiding lessons of faith we only get to because of some slogging it took to get there some period of life that we needed to wrestle with some questions or wrestle with God, some some times of self-doubt. It's in being faithful in those, maybe what we would call long periods of discipleship, doing the work. That's where we often find the fruit of understanding. And to whatever extent that's what Paul's referencing here, I think that many Christians could bear that out in their faith experience. Yeah, it would be nice if wisdom came fully packaged with faith, but I, Paul understands that it does not. Wisdom is a journey. Understanding is a journey. And he trusts that Timothy will make progress along that road. I, I really, I think that's a, again, I think we see a sort of wise outlook from Paul, not to rush a young man, but to put confidence in him and, and assure him it will be okay. Yeah. You'll get there. Keep up the work and you'll arrive. So, and this is a slight diversion, so I apologize for that right off the bat here, Clint, but I think it's worth taking a step aside here to say that is one of the the core Christian competencies of discernment. And what I mean by that is when we come as Christians into a form of teaching, uh, especially Christian teaching, a discerning and wise person recognizes there's no shortcuts. And this is a, a cultural temptation, I think, especially in the Western church, the, the idea, hey, the, the, the three spiritual laws that moves you ahead, or uh, the, the two spiritual prayers, if you pray these, it will affect this change. That is a temptation for efficiency and speed. There, there's nothing wrong with people trying to order our lives efficiently, but it is not inherently Christian to live our life in a way that we can try to shortcut the wisdom that only comes through daily faith, practice in trusting God, recognizing we cannot escape suffering. It is a part of our human experience, and it is being faithful in the midst of that suffering that God will prove the faithfulness to us that God is sure to commit. 
I, I think that we as Christians would do well if we would remember that, especially in the face, Clint, of that sort of cultural temptation to speed things along. Yeah, no, I think that's well said, Michael. Absolutely. That's a good last word. Uh, we're grateful that you'd be with us today. Uh, we hope that there's been something uh, meaningful and encouraging in this to you. Uh, Waylon, see your comment. And I'll definitely get to the comments to answer that question after the study. Thanks for being with us. Uh, do uh, be sure to like and subscribe if you found this content helpful, and uh, we will see you tomorrow. Thanks, everybody.